0: Uh, man, we are so glad to have you guys. Thank you for joining us this Sunday before Christmas. Y'all look good, those of you that dressed up we had saw our post on Facebook and wore your sweaters. This is not a sweater, it's a Christmas hoodie, but it's close enough uh, especially when you can 't find them this close to Christmas anymore, so didn 't know that I picked this out this week, so uh, we are glad to have you if you are here and uh, you have some children kindergarten through fourth grade uh, we have some extra children 's packets in the back. We know our kindergarten through fourth grade uh, you know are, are are hanging out in here, and so if you would like to get a children uh, children 's packet you 're welcome to do that if not that 's completely uh, fine with us but're we 're excited about celebrating, as Cooper said, the, the love of the Christmas season. We've talked about hope, we've talked about peace, joy last week, and now we talk about love. This is our series, Living in Between. Living in Between the promises of God, the fulfillment of God, and the fullness of God that is to be revealed When Jesus comes again. But love is a word that we are saturated with in this society today. Love is something we throw out, we talk about all the time, we use the word very, very flippantly. In fact, we've kind of grown numb to it. I remember growing up as a kid, right? Love was just something I told girls that I'd been dating for a little bit, right? If I'd been dating for over a month... You know, like, I'm going to slip in the word love because that takes your relationship to the next level, right? Um, you're coming. You'll get good. The good stuff is going to be said about you in a minute. Just calm down. My wife's getting jealous over here of my, my ninth grade girlfriends here. Uh, but... But yeah, Brittany, Brittany. could probably tell you about a lot of them. Uh, so, but yeah, that's just what we did, right? And uh, we we say things even more trivial than than even in relationship, right? We we say things like, "Man, I love this weather." If you're a deer hunter in this room, you probably love this weather because cold weather makes the deer move, right? Ducks as well, supposedly. Not in the state of Alabama, apparently, but. In theory, that's supposed to happen, right? We say things like, I love the weather. We can love music, right? I love a certain type of music. Hip-hop, R&B, country, whatever the case may be, Christian music, right? We can love music, I've got friends that love to travel. They say things like, man, we loved going to such and such place, and we love Rome, and we love all of these places, and that person knows who they are when I say that. Uh, We say things like, some of you kids probably walked in today and saw that our donuts were back, and said something like, I love donuts, right? We love food. We say the word love so much that it really has taken a meaning that if we're not careful, we can, we can truly misuse and misunderstand what the word love is. Using love this way is just an one-up from like, isn't it? Like if you, you can like food, but you love Mexican food, right? Like that's just, it, it's one step above, right? And so if we're, if when we think about love that way, love becomes dictated by our preference, Right? It becomes about what we like and what we enjoy. And so this is how society views love. When we talk about love in society, we talk about what the relationship can do for us. It's why in marriages, when a relationship no longer serves the purposes of the individual, they leave. Because love is about Me, and about my preference. In taking this definition, love becomes an indicator of what we prefer or we have an interest or affinity for more than what love is truly intended to mean. Ultimately, this type of love is wrapped up in self and selfishness. We can become very, very selfish in marriage when we view love in this way. Love is about me. Love is about pleasing me. It's what I enjoy, and as long as I'm enjoying it, I'm in love. What we're actually chasing is emotion, not the love that is found in what Jesus has done for us. We have bought into this idea in our homes And how we talk to people are some well-meaning parents, godly Christian parents will say things to their teenager with raging hormones like, Baby, you just got to follow your heart. No! Are you kidding me? A 12-year-old boy, follow your heart. No, sir. No, sir, that's the last thing that you should do is follow your heart. Love is about more than just serving what is your desire. God has more for you. I meant it when I said I love you to some of those girls growing up. I had no idea what it meant because it was all about what that relationship could do for me. Love as identified in Scripture, however, is the opposite of selfishness. In fact... Agape love, the highest form of love. If you do a love study, you know that there's multiple types discussed, right? We know we have the Eros love, which is the romantic love between a, a man and a woman, right? We have the Philos love, which is a brotherly affection toward one another. But agape love is greater than any other love. And when God identifies himself, With love, he identifies himself with agape love. And agape love isn't selfish. In fact, it's the opposite. It's sacrifice. It's laying down of your own desires and your own needs in order to meet the needs of others. It's not about receiving preference, but giving preference to others. In fact... Many of you in this room, in fact, me, I don't remember a whole lot about our wedding ceremony, but I feel like somewhere in there, First Corinthians 13 came up, right? That's what you do in a wedding is you say things like, love is patient, love is kind, love suffers long, love uh, rejoices in the truth, it does not boast in evil, right? And we, we hear all these things and we think, wow, that sounds wonderful. I love how the King James renders it. He's just not a, they just weren't romantics, all right, Because they don't use the word love. In fact, they use another form of agape, which is charity. They say charity is, is patient. Charity is kind. And so when you read love is patient, if you're reading with the lens of society, you'll go, love is patient. That means someone has to be patient for me. Love is kind, that means the person who loves me is kind to me. We become the recipients of all of these things. When we read it as charity, we are the ones responsible for doiling this stuff out. I am the one who's called to be patient, to give charity to my wife. When she is unkind, I'm to respond in kindness. When when she is unpatient, I am to be patient. These are the things that God has called us to do. And when we look at our marriage, when when we look at love the way that God defines it, we see it that's completely in opposition to how the world teaches that love is what the, lo- what the world teaches love is and it's brought into the shroud of truth. And so this idea of agape love we find in 1 John chapter 4. And so if you have your bibles however you have a copy of God's word turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're we'll going to be in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 and we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. But 1 John chapter 4, listen to what it says. God adjoins himself to agape love. Not motivated from selfishness, but out of selflessness. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is agape. God is charity. God is sacrifice. God is covenant commitment. Regardless of what is given back to him, he will respond in love. God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So what is he saying? He's saying, listen, here's, here's what love is: God is love. What is he saying? God is the source of love. If we are ever to love anyone in this world, it must come from God as its source. God is love. It is the crowning attribute of who God is. God is love. But he doesn't leave it at a theological construct. He gives us an example. And he says, God showed us his love. He made manifest his love among us by sending his son into the world that we might live through him. What did he do? He sacrificed for us. He gave for us. Love in its purest form is sacrifice. And in celebration... Of this selflessness, in celebration of this giving away of ourselves, we give gifts. That's why we give gifts at Christmas. Because we love someone, we sacrifice, and we give them gifts. My wife and I had a conversation this week about really important gifts that we have given each other over the course of time. And uh, my wife said this was the most thoughtful gift that she'd ever received. And so I wanted to share it with you. This is a Bible. We got engaged right beside Fairhope Pier... Uh, in Fairhope, Alabama, we had been on multiple dates. My wife's from North Mobile County, and so we had been multiple dates to Fairhope. We'd been out to eat there. We'd eaten ice cream there. We'd went and walked on the pier and walked back. And, you know, it's a little less romantic than you think because it smells like dead fish or like the fishermen are like cutting up their cut bait and stuff. But we, we, we looked past all that, and it was it was pretty and picturesque. And uh, I remember my groom, my my uh, ma- no, I'm thinking maid of honor, my best man... Uh, who was my roommate in college, went, came before us. He set up everything. I knew how we, I wanted to do it. And we had a table set up that was kind of hidden away on a little dog trail that they have. And on it was this Bible. Now, I don't have a whole lot of really good ideas, but this was one of them, all right? I used it all. All my game was used up in this one moment, okay? It was open to, song, to Proverbs 31, and I opened... I picked up the Bible, and I began to read. Now, I skipped over all the stuff about the women getting up before the sun and, you know, spinning the flax. I, I skipped over that. Like, that's important, but maybe not for that moment just then, because I needed to get a yes first. And so I skipped over that, and I began to read things like Psalms 31:30, 30, that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I told my wife that I came to the realization that she was the Proverbs 31 for me, I, Proverbs 31 woman for me and I knelt down on one knee and I asked her to marry me. She said yes. And then I flipped the Bible over and this is is where it gets good, y'all. I channeled my inner Nicholas Sparks and on the Bible is her name with my last name. Now, I've been asked, been asked, what happens if she said no? To which I would respond, the bay is right behind me. I mean, it's swimming with the fishies, right? I mean, I had a, I had a foolproof, foolproof plan, right? I just throw it, throw it on. Ah, don't worry about this then. Um, and I don't know about y'all, but my last name never looked so good, right? It never looked so good. This was a gift that I gave to my wife. What was I doing? When you pledge your life to one another, I was promising till death do us part that I do that I was committing my life, regardless of what it meant, regardless of sacrifice or blessing, I was committing my life to Rebecca Warren for the rest of my life. I was giving her my life. It was a gift. Now, Becca has responded in kind. Now, she told me that she didn't think she had ever given me a sentimental gift in the world. Throw me my keys. I'm supposed to have those with me. Thank you. She told me to never preach with these because I look like a janitor. But y'all know that uh, if you've seen me walking around, this, these keys are hanging on my belt loop. And on this key, there is a little key fob, whatever, little little leather strap. And she said that she has never given me a sentimental gift in her whole life. And I'm like, that's a lie. That's wrong. This little gift, and you may be thinking, where, what? Like, where's he going with this? When I knew that God had called me to the community of Elkmont. I didn't know, I wasn't sure church plant, what that would look like. I wasn't sure if it would be a success, certainly. Uh, I didn't know how God was going to do it. Two years ago, two Father's Day ago, my wife gave me this little leather strap. Before North was, it was just a thought. I mean, it was just an idea that we were throwing around. She gave me this, and God had given me a verse, Psalms 127, 1. Uh, that if the Lord, unless the Lord... Uh, builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. If the Lord doesn't watch over the house, those that lose sleep, lose sleep in vain, right? And she was, and, and that was just a verse that I didn't know how God was going to use me to, to reach mom but I knew God was bending my heart to, this, to this, this community. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't even know if my family was called to do it with me. Like I, I didn't know. She hadn't told me. For Father's Day, she gave me this little keychain. And on the back it says, we love you and adore you. You know what my wife was telling me right there? I don't know what the next step looks like, but I'm with you. Every time I open the door of this church, I'm reminded that my wife's sacrifice is part of the reason why we're here. It's a gift. What may be meaningless to you means everything to me. The celebration of love is in giving gifts. And our relationship with Christ is no different. Number one, God's love is shown to us through a promise. Through a promise. Matthew chapter 1. Remember, God, the angel is speaking to Joseph. He's kind of giving us Joseph's perspective in this. Is, is Matthew, and so he, he, the angel is speaking, and he's just told him all this crazy stuff that has turned this man's world upside down. The woman that he loves, that he's engaged to, is pregnant, and he, she, he knows it's not his child. And so the angel begins to explain things, but listen what it says. Before we get to the good stuff, the next verse is a biggie. Let's not miss Matthew 1.22. And it says this, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by his prophet. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 The prophet, looking forward to what God would do through the person of Jesus, says that the virgin will give birth to a son, and his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. We just sang it. But Isaiah chapter 7 falls into some pretty crazy times. In your notes, God's promise showed that he would come to us. The entire nation of Israel staked their entire existence on the fact that God was sending Messiah. He was sending Messiah that would rescue them from their slavery, rescue them from their sin. He would deliver them and they banked their whole life as we talked about in hope. Right? They banked their whole existence on the fact that the Messiah would come and set them free. But the context of Isaiah 7 is very strange. We find some incredible words of hope in the middle of probably the nation of Judah's worst time in history. At this time in in Judah's history, there's two kingdoms. There's not one. It's not one Israel. It's Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And Israel in the north, who has a very godless king, Ahaz, by the way, in the the south, is not, you know, he's no choir boy, he's not great. But the king in the north, Pekah, and Rezin, the, the immediate neighbor to the north of Israel, decide to make a coalition together, an alliance together, and they are going to wipe the line of David off the face of the earth. Why is that important? Messiah comes through the line of David. And so Syria and Israel together go to attack the nation of Judah, the promises of God. And think about it. Their own countrymen, people that, were, that are of the 12 tribes of Israel, are literally turning their arms against Judah. This was some of the darkest times that could ever be imagined for Judah. How is God going to save us and our enemy as well. We're all God's people. How is this going to happen? And in that we find verse 14. The virgin will give birth to a son. And we will call his name Emmanuel. God promised his love for This was a reminder to all of Israel that they were, in fact, God's chosen people and that God would come to their aid when they needed him. Listen, a little boy should not beat up a nine-foot-tall battle-hardened giant. 300 men had no business beating 38,000 Midianites. A choir had no business destroying three armies when they topped the hill. But yet God chose to deliver Israel time and time and time again because of his covenant love for them. He loved them. And because of his love, they saw his salvation over and over and over again. But ultimately, we know that that wasn't truly realized until number two. God's love is shown through a person Shown through a person. There was a point where the promise of God began made, was made manifest, as 1 John says, in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says, verse 23 of Matthew 1. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God's pr- promise showed that he would come to us. God's presence showed that he would be with us he wasn't just coming he would be with us he would abide with us 1 John 1 14 we talked about it last week the word became flesh and dwelt among us that word dwelt literally means to tabernacle that the word became flesh and tabernacled among us what was the tabernacle? The tabernacle was where the Holy Spirit, the holy presence of God rested for the nation of Israel. It was a temporary shelter. It was a tent, but it housed the presence of God. The writer of Hebrews would go into great detail describing how Jesus was our tabernacle. He was the more perfect tabernacle, not shrouded with cloth, but wrapped in flesh. Jesus would abide with us. He would set up residence with us. We would be Be with him. And so God chose to step down from his throne in the privilege of heaven and invaded earth and became God with us. That God would cohabitate the same blue marble together with man is an absolute mind-boggling scandal. Can I just tell you that? Now, I know we, 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 we've heard this over and over again, and so we lose the awe of this. But let me, just, let me just remind you who we are. Let me remind you of who we were. Let me remind you that when God created everything and said that it was good, man said, I'll do anything but what you ask me to do. God said, eat any tree, the whole garden, but not that tree. Similar to, if I tell my son, Son, don't go to this one area of our house. Don't do it. I'm walking outside. Don't do it. And when I come back, don't be there. What happens when I come back? He's there. Why? He's born into sin. We prove that we didn't want God around Right, We rebelled against Him. We went the other direction. Our rebel hearts were against Him. So the fact that a holy God would have anything to do with a creation that He created and loved and then spat in His face is incredible. Remember, this is the same holiness of God that if He deals with sin, if He gets marred by sin, He's no longer holy. He's no longer perfect. What is He doing coming to earth? I wrote these thoughts. Holiness had no place in a fallen creation. Heaven's darling did not belong in a dingy stable. God's inexpressible light had no reason to shine in our hopeless darkness. And Christ's perfection certainly did not deserve a sinner's cross. They have no business being with one another. But it happened. Why? Love. The crowning jewel of the attributes of God. His love pursued us when we were unlovely. And He sought us and He found us because of His love. 1 John 4.10, if you pop back to 1 John, uh, it says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son for us. He was God with us. He invaded our man and humanity and all of our sin. And He stepped down and He became Emmanuel, God with us. But thirdly and finally, God's love is shown through a purpose. Through a purpose. Luke 2, 15, as our kids read just a few minutes ago, when the angels went away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they had made known the saying. When they saw it, they had made known the saying. And when they saw it, they had made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. do you know what the shepherds became they became the very first evangelists because of what they had witnessed they in turn became that witness they left where they were everywhere that they went spreading and making known this saying that God has come to meet with Man. After witnessing what the shepherds witnessed, they in turn became a witness. And this is God's plan for us, right? Not to see baby Jesus in a manger, but to experience God for ourselves. Because listen, he didn't just, he, he's not just God with us, New Testament church. Listen what I have in your notes. God's purpose showed that he would remain in us. What in the world could be better than God with us? Have you ever thought how much different how much, how much differently your life would be if Jesus was walking around with you? There's things you wouldn't do. There's things you wouldn't say. There's people you wouldn't hang with. God with us, right? But God's plan was even greater than to be with us. The Holy Spirit would get involved. And then we, he would be God in us. In us. This is what we, we talked about in the hope that this is Christ in us. The hope of glory. This is everything that our life should be about. God's purpose showed that he would remain in us. Verse 13 of first John, John 4. By this we know that we abide in him and he is in us. Because he has given us his Spirit. Why do we love? It sure is goodness ain't because we're lovely. It sure is goodness ain't because we've established some rapport of love with God. But it's because He has initiated everything in love for us. So, we are to be about that love. We are to be about it. Lastly, in your notes, those changed by love can't help but change others with love. Those changed by love can't help but change others with love. And so what are you doing about that? What are you doing having encountered Christ, having His Spirit within you? How are you stewarding that in your life? How are other people seeing that played out in your life? God has called you to no less than obedience because He loves you. He sent his son for you. He promised he would. That he would come to us. His presence was proof that he was with us. But his spirit is proof that he is to remain in us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here today. And you don't have a relationship with Christ. I want you to know you're the most important person in this room. God's love has come for you. 1 John, we've been in all day, tells us that if we confess our sins, that Christ God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the love gift that's made available through the person of Jesus. And if you're here and you haven't received that gift, I want you to know that. God desires to have a relationship with you. He desires to know you. Far more than to use you, He desires to know you. And if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I can think of no better way to celebrate this Christmas season than to respond to the hope that's found in Jesus. To be made new, a new creation. It's what Christ offers through a relationship with Him. Let Him be God in you through His Holy Spirit. You can do that today. There's counselors that are in this room. To my right and left, here in the front of the room, if you're here today and you need to make a decision for Christ, be it salvation, be it rededication, maybe you just need to talk to somebody. You're going through some things, you just need to talk to somebody. Maybe this Christmas season is anything but joyous and happy. Maybe you just need, you need someone to share with. There are counselors that would love to talk to you about any decision that you would need to make for the Lord. Maybe you need to join us here at Lindsay Lane North as we are serious about getting this gospel to a lost and dying world. Whatever it is that you need to do, whatever decision you need to make, I pray that you would respond today in this moment. God, give us boldness, boldness to respond to your invitation, your gift. Maybe be bold enough to receive it. In Jesus' name, Amen. With every head and heart still bowed, if you're here and you need to make a decision for Christ, would you just stand right where you are? Nobody's looking around. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to point at you. We're not going to make fun of you. We, we want to celebrate with you, but we just want you to talk to one of these counselors. If you're here and you need to make a decision for Christ, would you just stand to your feet, find your way to the center aisle, come find one of these counselors to my right or left? Would you respond to the message of the gospel today? Is that you? Do you need to, if you need to make a decision, would you respond today? Would you respond now, just quietly, rise from your seat, come to this front. We'd love to get you with a counselor that can talk to you about the hope that's found in Christ. Is that you? Is there anyone? We know that many of you are listening online, following us via live stream, and I want you to know there's a way that you can respond as well. If you will text the phrase North Connect. I know that sounds weird getting out your phone in the middle of invitation, but I want you to do it. Get out your phone, text the phrase North Connect to 31996. You'll be directed to our online connect card where you can let us know that you've made a decision for Christ. There's check boxes at the bottom where you can check one of those boxes. I need to talk to somebody or I made a decision today. We would love to follow up with you this week. We'll get those and would love to follow up with you. In fact, if you're here in this room and for whatever reason you didn't respond today, physically and in person, Those Connect Cards have the very same thing available for you. That if you would, grab it right now. Put down your information. Check a box and put it in the offering bucket as you leave. That's going to be on your right on the way out. We'll follow up with you. But don't let this moment slip by. Don't let God's love for you slip by without doing business with Him. Without doing business with His Holy Spirit. It's too important. what an incredible way to celebrate Christmas, to make the decision to follow Christ with your life. Father, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. God, we pray that you would be glorified in everything that we do this Christmas season. That we would respond informed by the love of Christ, that we would respond with the love of Christ to others. Make us serious about those lost family members that we're going to be hanging out with over this Christmas holiday. Make us serious about allowing them to see the light of Christ, to be bold in sharing the light of Christ with them. God, let us love you in, in a fraction of the way that you've loved us. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in this place. May your word not return back void, but may you be glorified in all that we say and do as we